Hey, Howard Jacobson here. Welcome to today's Plant Yourself podcast. A quick reminder, this podcast is free for everyone and supported by patrons. So if you would like to find out about becoming a patron of the show and helping us out, helping defray the cost, helping to spread the message, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. Thanks so much and enjoy today's episode. This is a Friday fertilizer from Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Today's fertilizer is called Don and the Perfect Game. Don Larson died this month at the age of 90. He played baseball professionally from 1953 to 1967 and had a less than stellar career. As a pitcher, his lifetime record was 81 wins and 91 losses. And he played five of those years with the powerhouse New York Yankees during their dynastic heyday in the 1950s. His record for lesser teams was a dismal 36 wins and 67 losses. And yet, he's one of my favorite players of all time. Because on October 8, 1956, Don Larson pitched the only perfect game in World Series history. Somehow, everything broke his way for 27 batters in a row. Jackie Robinson got a legitimate hit in the second inning, but the ball somehow caromed off the third baseman's glove right into the hand of the shortstop, who threw Robinson out by a step. Billy Martin and Mickey Mantle also made astounding catches for outs. And when the last pitch, a called strike three, whiffed pinch hitter Dale Mitchell, catcher Yogi Berra ran to the mound and leaped into Don Larson's arms in one of the most iconic photos in sports history. But my affection for Larson is based on a personal connection to that game. My father was there. Since it's one of the most famous games in baseball history, lots of fans claim to have seen it. Certainly many more than Yankee Stadium could have held. And although I knew that my dad would never have lied about it, it was still cool when he opened an old cigar box and bequeathed me one of his most prized possessions, the ticket stub for that fifth game of the series. Lessons from Larson. I love the unlikeliness of it, how this frankly mediocre pitcher pulled off a feat that has only been matched 22 other times in all of Major League Baseball history and never again in a World Series. I mean, Larson wasn't even playing well at the time. He had totally tanked in Game 2 against the Dodgers of the same series, squandering a six-run lead and getting chased off the mound in the second inning after giving up four walks. And yet, here he was, turning in one of the most virtuosic performances ever. I keep that ticket stub in my office to remind me that past failure doesn't have to predict future failure. That no matter how much we may be struggling... There may be grace and redemption in the next moment. And that this most perfect game of all time was not planned, premeditated, ordained, or sought after. No one could have predicted it, and no one should have expected it, Larson least of all. Reflecting back in 1998, he marveled at the control he displayed in that game, a control he said he never had had in his life, before or after October 8, 1956. He threw 97 pitches in that game, a remarkably low number. And I like to believe that he threw every one of those pitches, not in pursuit of a perfect game, but for their own sake. To pitch for the sake of throwing a ball that came in fast, accurate, and tricky. Larson had complete control over where and how he threw each pitch, and zero control over what the batter would do with it. Control. 
Likewise, we have the possibility of complete control over our own actions and choices and zero control over what the world throws at us. Start a jogging habit, and all of a sudden the freeze of the century descends on your town and it's not safe to go outside. Decide to eat a plant-based diet, and the next day there's a two-for-one sale at the delicious pizza joint across the street from your office. Create a monthly budget to save for retirement, and your HVAC unit dies and puts you right back into credit card debt. In other words, we can do everything right, and there are no guaranteed outcomes. As long as we focus on the outcomes we want, we're kind of taking our eye off the ball of the present moment. Doing for its own sake. When we turn our goals into idols, we lose our connection to the present moment. The future we want, physique, feelings, sensations, possessions, relationships, becomes more important and more immediate than our current experience of life. Future goals are useful only to the extent that they give structure and purpose to our now, to our relationship with this moment, and this one, and this one. When we orient our consciousness toward future outcomes, we sacrifice the joy that is inherent in this moment, and we sacrifice the guidance, the deep wisdom of our body and spirit that is whispering to us in each moment. The roar of the ego that will not be happy until the goal is attained drowns out the sweet, compassionate whisper of the soul that can be supremely happy right here, right now. When we become addicted to our theoretical future happiness, we give up the possibility of being happy now. And in the absence of happiness, we medicate ourselves through the very behaviors that sabotage the attainment of our goals. We seek hits of pleasure to distract us from our lack of present contentment. We avoid productive physical and emotional discomfort for fear that it will put us over the edge into misery or panic. The secret of goal attainment is to constantly remind ourselves that the purpose of the goals is to create the structure for the journey. The journey is life. The journey is found only in the now. The secret of goal attainment is to do the hard work for its own sake, to eat the broccoli and kale for the sake of eating broccoli and kale, to go for a walk for the sake of swinging your arms and legs with purpose, to meditate for the experience of sitting still and observing your thoughts. Bringing attention to each activity, to each moment, makes it enough. If you need motivation to act right, that's a warning sign that you've elevated goals above your moment-by-moment -moment experience of life. Being fully in the moment, no matter what's going on or what you're feeling, is always enough. Reclaim your energy and attention from the theoretical future to the real and immediate present. Throw yourself into your life and do things for their own sake. Make your plans, create your visions, identify goals and objectives and key results, translate those future goals into daily routines and behaviors and habits, and then let the goals and objectives fade from view. They've done their job. You'll retrieve them to check progress, to assess correctness and sufficiency of your chosen protocols. But while you're doing, just do. Do for the sake of the thing you're doing. When you are fully present now, when you offer no resistance to what is, that is enough. When you experience yourself as part of the whole of existence, which happens only when all of your attention is on the present moment, that is enough. True happiness can be found only in the now. Chasing happiness in the future is a con. 
a shell game that our culture uses to sucker us into compulsive acquisition and consumption. When you are fully immersed in what you are experiencing now, be it a simple meal of steamed vegetables or a hard jog up a hill, you'd need nothing more or less. When you are fully present, bliss and discomfort can coexist. Bliss and sadness can coexist. Bliss and anger can coexist. Bliss is nothing more than the experience of full presence. And bliss is available to us in every moment, but never in the future. Stop waiting for success. You do not have to wait to be happy, to be content, to be fulfilled. Those states do not depend on external events or outcomes. You do not have to wait until you have achieved X, whatever X is, to treat yourself with love and kindness. Whenever you do for its own sake, you receive pleasure in the doing. Everything you truly want is present in this moment. Whatever you're doing, do it for its own sake. And you may find yourself pitching some surprisingly perfect games. That's it for this week. See you next week for another interview and another fertilizer. As always, be well, my friends. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Reidenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willreidenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself Podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jenna Fulkinowski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X. Elspeth Feldman, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gila Sert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Amadzen, Olive Levine, The Inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Izatuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Ashra Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Lehman, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Karts, Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parang Ganshik, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, and Michael Lushton for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>